Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of The Iron Hack Podcast <laughs> I am DevOps Dan <laughs> I'm Turnery Tim Great new jingle, what about, look at that That is a, that's a highlight I think One take, one take on, on the new jingle mix down Would you like, do you like it? Yeah, I think it's good It's definitely think, uh, nicer than yeah. our last one <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, how you been? What's been going on? What's what's news? Uh, oof, lots going on. Journey into product. My community journey into product's growing very well. Nice. Um, actually, just had one of our members like really completely change over. She was working in a bank, and now she's got a job in tech, which is actually very apt. Whoa! For That's today's spooky. yeah, yeah. Well, she was actually she was working like in um in in a for a banking um like for an old school bank as a okay. as an employee. Um, for like, like no, like an admin, like an office administrator there for like their their locations around the nations, mm. and uh, yeah, now she's moved into tech things. And like I just said, very apt for our guest today, who is yeah, so, yeah, Sarah. She's she's continuing our uh, Manu Manu takeover of the podcast, growing without slowing, growing without slowing with Sarah. Yeah. What an yeah. app. Yeah, um, Sarah worked at a bank, and now she works at Manu Manu in tech. She worked um, as she so she started off. She didn't start off, but she was in. Um, she was a lawyer, tax lawyer. Yeah, tax so lawyer. Worked, and now she's moved into into tech as. And a, then she worked in a bank, and now she works at. Manu all right, Manu. yeah. Now she's a scrum master. Scrum mastery. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we talked to her about her journey from scrum master. Manu Manu scrum master. Yeah. <laughs> Back once again with the scrum master. Do you know they actually talk about in that song "Back Once Again" with the Renegade Master D4 yeah. damage? Do you know that? It's a D and D, D, oh, really? D reference. I yeah, don't think is it. Is it really? Is it, yes, it is. D4 I looked at damage. Oh wow! D4, D4 damage, damage for the ill behaviour. What? Um, that is amazing. Yeah. D4 damage for the ill behaviour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Back once again with the Renegade Master D4 damage for the ill behaviour. That's ridiculously good. That's is it like? Do you reckon the D, the DM was like, okay, you, you've been such a dick, you're gonna have to take D4 damage. Right. For the people who don't behavior. understand what we're talking about here, Tim's referencing a '90s <laughs> British like garage classic. Uh, and what's, uh, it, what's it called? I don't know. Um, I don't know. Back once again with the ill behaviour. Ren- the Renegade Master, something like that. A very, a very cool. Look it up if you don't know, ladies and gentlemen. It's a great song out there, and there's a D and D Dungeons and Dragons reference in it. Back to the point. Back to the episode. And the sorry, setup. yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, so um, Sarah is now Scrum Master at the uh, at the uh, podcast favorite Manu Manu, based in France, and we talked to her today about her career change from being a tax lawyer to uh, following a career plan. Uh, to then um, pivoting into tech, yep. working at the uh, bank. Good, a good episode the- for anyone out there who kind of wants to, you know, see how career changes can be possible. And also, maybe you'll be working under someone who's like a scrum master. Maybe you're a developer or a UX person. Just come out, and you'll see a little bit about what that is, how those teams are structured. Um, yeah, and I think it, it gives you a good insight into how complex this can get to. Because I think a lot of people just think, "Oh, it's just a stand up. I do the work. It's the end of the week." Blah blah blah. But I think Sarah gives us a really good uh, overview of like how complex uh, tech teams can be and tech companies can be. Which is if you are new to the podcast, subscribe, and um, you can start your Iron Hack journey by clicking on the link in the description. You can find us everywhere that good podcasts are allocated to listeners. Enjoy the episode. And don't forget, you can sign up to a web dev, data analytics, UX, UI, or cybersecurity podcast, full-time or part-time, Dan. Did you know that? No. What do you do now? Cool. A yeah. podcast for all of them. Po- well, not a podcast. A group that's that's what you said. Podcast? You said a podcast. It's because we're recording a podcast. Enjoy the episode. 
Well, I'm Sarah. I'm 30 years old. Um, I uh, was born in Morocco, and that's where I grew up. And I moved in France around 14 years ago, uh, where I um, did my to complete my studies, and then I started working there. I live in Paris. I've been living there for the 12 past years, and I'm a senior scrum master at uh, Mano Mano that I joined um, last September. And what's the, what's the day-to-day like for a Scrum Master? Well, I keep hearing the, the titles thrown about a lot, but I've never actually uh, sat down with one. <laughs> but I would say that the day-to-day life is uh, a lot of meetings and uh, observing people, asking questions mainly, and changing, switching from different stands. I could be... Uh, um, you sound, uh, sound, a like a, sound like a spy so far. observing people asking questions have you got any explosives or explosive pens and stuff well actually it's a bit it can it's it's a spy but on behalf of the team i'm working with Uh Ah, nice so you're like you're in charge of spying on the other teams for the other teams internal affairs well actually not not really i'm spying for the team well on what on one team for the team itself Okay, right. You're not, double, you're not a double agent. Well, actually, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a double agent. Actually, it's, the idea is just to have some critical eye on how a team works uh-huh. and make them focus on uh, well, identify some uh, uh, improvement areas and making make them work on these improvement areas. Okay. And the, and the teams that you focus on are they like tech teams or are they like operations teams? Uh, only tech teams. I only work with tech teams. Okay. Um, and do you? Um, uh, do you have any technical knowledge yourself? Is it useful to know like what they're actually doing or, or, or do you find it's just more of an observational role that you have? As far as I'm concerned, I don't have any technical background, actually, and I don't have any technical knowledge. The, the only technical knowledge is the one that I um, took on while observing people mm-hmm. working. Uh, but however, I think that it could be useful for a Scrum Master to have uh, some technical background, but it's not mandatory. Most of Scrum Masters are actually um, have been former developers, but uh, not all of them are. So um, then what were you doing before you entered this world of, of tech and Scrum Mastery? What were you doing before well, Cloak I... and Dagger? <laughs> before, we became a, before we became a spy, what did you do? I have been a tax lawyer before. Tax lawyer. Exactly. So I used to, be, I used to work in a, um, in a law firm for with some with actually a big variety of clients they could be corporate or investment funds that are trying to structure their former investments and my work was pretty much to organize um, how these investments would be structured to minimize the tax burden okay okay yeah it sounds like a massive switch from between being a tax lawyer to being a tech scrum master. Is it is it as big as it sounds, or is there are there any uh, similarities between the roles? It is actually it's uh, it's completely day and night at the first at the first end. Well, actually, it's very hard to find uh, the main um, uh, the common interest. However, there are some stuff that I've learned while being a tax lawyer, who are very useful today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine there's some. What, what kind of things? Actually, the way to interact with clients, the, the, the variety of subjects that I was working on, and uh, the, um, 
the fact of being very um, rigorous, attentive to detail, mm. uh, sensing the mood, advocating, also um, trying to have a clear speech and a way to um, embark people while yeah, yeah. telling a story. Yeah, it's it's um, there are so many transferable skills. It's really important to be able to kind of identify those, especially if you're a, a career changer like yourself, as many INHAC students are. Um, if you're changing careers, I think being able to spot those uh, crossovers is really important for employees because there's, I mean, employers, sorry, because there are so many. That's the thing. There's so many overlaps with all sorts of different um, companies and worlds and job tiers. I mean, not tiers, but, you know, like uh, silos, mm-hmm. um, okay. being able to kind of pinpoint them uh, is, is really useful, I think. Was there anything that made you change, any big, any big moments that, that made you want to make that change or was it? You know, did the did the opportunity just arise, or did you think, okay, I want to get into this world of tech now, and and then you make that journey? I hate tax, and I'm going to leave the world of tax. <laughs> well, actually, it started a bit like this. Uh, I I ended up realizing, well, actually, I've been a lawyer for four years, and there was a moment where I just realized that I did not want to do that anymore. However, I had no idea about what I wanted to do. I really had no clue, so um, I went to see a career coach. That's uh, the school that I've um, been into. Well, actually, the school that I've been into uh, offers uh, one counseling session with a career coach per year for the graduate people. Okay. And then I came to him with my resume and saying, well, actually, the only thing I know is I don't want to do that anymore, but I have no clue about what I would uh, would like to, to do. And then, well, actually, he advised me to join a coaching program that, uh, consists, that, was, that consists of um, actually reflecting on your transferable skill to see and to build a career a career. Yeah. So that's how you built your career plan by looking at like your what skills you had and then which ones could be transferred. Um, and then I guess just matching up with a space you'd like to be in and then. Yes, exactly what I yeah. actually uh, it was a three phase uh, program. The first one was um, mainly focused on the skills that we had and how much of a, how transferable they could be. The second was to focus on what we would like to do and the things that we that I enjoyed doing and then making a match between what I can do, what I enjoy doing. And then the third part was to build, um, well, actually a career proposition and then to bring it to some people who do similar jobs to dig deeper into it and try to define what could be uh, the opportunities that I could go to. Okay. Do you know, um, Dan, do you remember we were talking a few weeks ago on the podcast uh, with a guest about Ikigai, that Japanese concept of how you yeah. find happiness? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the sounds, sounds very similar to that. Do you know that, Sarah? Do you know about that concept? Uh, yes, and actually it's very inspired from the Ikigai concept. Ah, I need to get on this one. I have a book you can, you can read. I'll let you borrow it. Well, the book is very good. I, I had uh, read it. By is then. it in audio form? Because I'm a big consumer of audio books more than actual reading books. No, but I'll happily read it to you. Oh, yeah? That would be good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that would be good. We could just do a whole episode of you just reading that to me down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just, I'll nod. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easy. Ah, yeah. 
Chapter 93. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, like, I do like that concept because it's also, I really like the way that it's laid out with this like Venn diagram thing where you can see where the kind of like where your happiness overlaps with like success and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I think a career coach sounds like a really good idea and a career plan. We, we've spoken to a few people who are either career coaches or people who have done this kind of thing in the past. And every time I hear about it, I always think I would really like to take the time to do that for myself. Because I think in web development, it's very easy just to fall into the trap of just keep learning more stuff and then you'll, you'll progress, you know. But I think it's also very useful to, to, to try and make a plan. It's like when we, we did those portfolio career things and it's it's very similar path, but yeah. maybe one step further where you take lots of small things. You build a career around lots of small incomes as opposed to one major path. And yeah, that's, that's off the same way, right, with writing down what your skills are and seeing how you can monetize them or transfer them. And, yeah. mm. and, and uh, how kind of like uh, how deep into the crystal ball do you look when you do a career plan? Do you look very far into the future or is it like a kind of six months or three months or year? Two years? Five years? Um, I think it really depends on people. Some people need projections and very structured um, career plan. Um, yeah. Well, actually, the advice that we had, it was a, actually a collective um, coaching program. And uh, there was a facilitator that has been driving the, uh, the group. We were a group of 12 people and that was helping the group of 12 people go through the the path and uh, actually the um, the projection was very different from one person to another because it depends actually on how solid their career plan is and how realistic it is but mm -hmm. uh, they do not advise to go over um, over five years because well actually much of the unexpected can happen yeah especially if you're moving into the world of tech because Exactly. In five years, it could be a completely different place, couldn't it? I mean, when when was the? It's, it's terrifying when you think how recently, like mobile, the mobile web. It's like fifteen years. Or something like that. It's only been around fifteen years. The like the iPhone. So, who knows what's going to be happening in the next five years? It's crazy. Really? That's yeah. I mean, it's, that's, yeah. It's take. It's taken over the world. It's not next soon. It'll be something else. But we just don't know what it's going to be. So you can't, you can't plan more than five years in advance. Exactly, and and actually the um, well, actually the main focus of the um, of this program was not uh, really the future. It was uh, much more about uh, the past and the present, just to be more, uh, and well, actually to open the doors to every possible opportunity that could happen, but just to mm. have this uh, as structured as possible. So that's that interesting. It could help us uh, move forward. Actually, so I guess the, that's. Oh, go on. Sorry, you go for it. Um, the main focus was on the on the skills and what we enjoy doing and how people around us see us and uh, what we really want to do more than uh, what would like uh, what would be our lives in the next five years, for example. Yeah. Um, so it's more like a uh, structure based rather than goal based. Exactly. Yeah. Like how do you want your career to play out as opposed to like individual smaller goals? That's a nice yeah. approach. I like that. Yeah. Nice. And, and so once you took the course uh, and you, and you, um, and you'd kind of got, you got your head in the space where you wanted to, you, you knew that you could move on. How did you go about uh, switching up and, and was it, was it as challenging as you, someone might think? 
Well, actually, it took a, it took a bit of time because the program as itself lasted uh, seven months, I think. It sounds great. All right, it sounds really useful. Yeah, I'm just thinking how useful it is for a lot of our listeners out there who obviously just come out of like a tech boot camp, or maybe they're a few months down the road, and then, or maybe some of them have even been working uh, for a few months in tech, and they want to kind of condense. Uh, what's the word? Compile, compress. All those words. Yep. Bring them all into one place and then kind of pivot. So these these kind of like career boot camps are a really cool resource. Actually, it's more of stepping back than condensing. Yeah. Okay. It's really stepping uh, okay. back and thinking about uh, having the global picture of what you really are and what you really know what to do and just move forward. Yeah. The old uh, if in doubt, zoom out method. Well, it's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Like, if you could just decide what you wanted to do, what makes you happy, then you can just go after that thing. And it's like, well, if I knew that, I would do it. But this kind of structure of like, okay, you don't have to just answer that question out of nowhere. You you form what you're good at and other things that you might like, and then eventually build this picture for what your career could be. And I think that's like a really useful tool for a lot of people out there because it's always just this like oh what, what do you want to do you have to make the decision and it's a very fr- frustrating when you don't know the answer to the question ahead of time you know uh, and were you doing this alongside your job was it uh, like were you doing in the evenings or was it uh yes well actually it's i started while doing my job it was uh three hours per week okay an evening and then we had to meet uh to two or three times during lunch breaks to well to to prepare from well from one session to another we had some homework and some preparation yep. work and they really suggested that we don't do this preparation work alone but with some other people going through the same path so we had to meet uh, between sessions to prepare these homework okay so i started uh while uh, working, but I actually I quit uh, a few weeks before, maybe five or six weeks after starting the program, uh, <clears throat> because I just uh, uh, had the realization that I could not uh, work. Well, I, actually, that I I really did not wanted to uh, to work on as a tax lawyer anymore, and I wanted to focus all my energy on switching. Nice, that's a very uh, brave step. Yeah, it's a big one. Well, it's a big step. However, I was so convinced that I really that it was the thing to do that I did not see it at the time as a that big of a step. That's a very comfortable position to be in there, to be like, I'm certain this is a change I want to make. You know, I'm really confident that this is something I want to do. And I think that does take a lot of bravery whether or not you maybe see it at the time, you know? Do you um, you remember uh, we spoke to Mira last week actually on the podcast, Dan, and she was saying that she just she did a web development boot camp, Sarah, and uh, she was just about to go to India to do a yoga teaching course. Um, so I think she was saying that once you've made, she said it's it's just basically in you, you know, like you've you have this ability just to some people just have an ability to want to change things up. Um, so once you've done it once and it's worked, it gives you the confidence to do it again. It, do you think it's given you like the taste for? Making a making big changes that in your life, or are you kind of happy now in the in the world of tech as a scrum master? Are you thinking I could be a yoga teacher? Because <laughs> I think that's what I find after doing an Iron Hack course. I think like you know maybe I could do it again. I could if I feel like in a few years time I could retrain or redo something else. Kind of gives you the confidence to, to change. Yeah, yeah. Like once you once you've done it once, you're a bit more like risk averse. You know. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so when you when you finish the the career um, 
the career planning uh, program. Did you was was your first job in tech at Manu Manu, or was it was there a previous job? No, I had a, a previous job before. Um, I used to work in um, an online bank in France that's called Fortuneo. And uh, I um, worked in the team that was in charge of uh, the digital transformation and the mm. organizational transformation, bringing agile ways of working into Fortuneo. I can imagine bringing agile ways of working into a bank must have been extremely hard. Yeah, a very slow process. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it? It was. It was actually it was very <laughs> challenging, and uh, the challenge was well. Actually, uh, when we uh, work in this kind of job, the main focus is how to handle the change management. Mm. What, and, what is change uh, man- management specifically? Is um, actually change management is to how to um, embark people on a diff- on different ways of working, mm. basically. That is a broad definition, and the idea is how to make them comfortable, willing to move from one way to another, and how to accompany them through these change. So it's not that the management has changed, it's like the management focus is like a mentality has changed. Well, it, right? It's a consequence. The, um, the, um, the change of culture is a consequence of the change. Okay. And so, so the culture's changed and the, pl- the, the, the sort of um, plan has changed and then you've got to help the staff go through that. Exactly. Mm. And do you see a lot of staff turnover because of that or are people quite happy to change? It really depends actually on the, uh, on the situation, but actually one of the clue of, um, of change management is identifying the why we are changing and uh, why we are changing is usually because we have no option to go um, well to not to change it's uh, and actually the idea is to create a movement around this sense of urgency that we need to change to move forward and the need can be from an organizational it can be uh, because of uh, some uh, external constraint uh, a market cha- a, mar- a huge market change or something that necessitate to have this uh, switch and then to find uh, actually the balance on where to set the target of this change. So it's never change for the sake of change, right? So it's yes, like exactly. we have to, and that that kind of like, I guess it's easy for the for the staff of any company then because it doesn't feel like they're just being you know, the culture's changing from one month to the next. It's only like shifting strategy, shifting policy. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, but I can always imagine, especially in some companies, like banking companies, there would be a few people who are like, I hate change, and that's why I'm out. I don't know. Is that the case? Or maybe they're just, maybe it's just my, my opinion, my picture of a bank is like a, like the bank out of Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the hardest part was not that much of uh, the people, even if it was, it was uh, pretty, well, challenging to, to, to work with them and to, um, to ignite this sense of urgency and this uh, motion actually to ignite the motion however i think that the most the hardest thing was to adapt the processes especially compliance purposes legal constraints and try to find a satisfying amount of uh, change and agility with um, this level of uh, constraints mm-hmm. so already you can kind of see an overlap with like a 
from a legal point of view why that would be useful. <laughs> <laughs> Hoop jumping. Um, and and was the uh, and was it a big company? Uh, it would be quite interesting to just kind of dive into sort of uh, how, how it is working at different size companies because I think in the world of tech there are so many different options for people. You know, they might think that a big company there's like huge companies, obviously, and then you know one man operations or one woman operations. So maybe you could give us a little bit of insight into how big Fortunio was compared to Manu Manu and what kind yeah. of like what you prefer. I think it was, well, actually, Fortunio is uh, around uh, less than 400 people. However, it used to belong to a broader group of 11,000 people. Wow. Okay, it's a huge one, yeah. So, and what, what about Manu Manu? That was Manu Manu, so... No, no, that's, that's the bank. Sorry, the last one, yeah. Okay, wow. Manu Manu is 1,000 people. So the change, how's the change been then working from, like the two different team sizes has it been like fairly have you noticed a massive cultural difference or do you prefer one over the other Mm, actually the main the differences are huge between both uh, both companies for um for uh in fortune what the the mission of the of the team i was working uh with, with was to bring agility to a word that was not that agile, that was not very familiar with agility. So there was much of training, experimenting, uh, trying out uh, different models, finding an organizational model that that would work. And um, actually pulling the seats of agility in a non-agile world. In Mano Mano, which is a company that, uh, which is a tech company, much younger and uh, much bigger, the... um, the, uh, the stakes are different because it's a company that has been through hyper growth and we have more than doubled the um, size of the company in less than one year. And the idea is to bring structure to this hyper growing um, context. And the idea is to find an organization that could scale and that would resist this um, hyper growth. Well, that's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. When he's doubled in size and you're trying to like, like, it's like you've got the reins of all these horses. And they're like going all into different directions and you're just trying to, you know, get them under control. And I would say that actually the, um, the focus of my work in Mano Mano is to make the team focus on the value that they are bringing and to make sure that uh, the different teams that work in Mano Mano, they are pursuing some goals that are consistent with one another and that they all uh, keep some consistency with the company strategy. How do you guys work alongside other parts of Mano Mano then? Like how does it, um, do you just make sure your team is performing as efficiently as it can or does it, is there a bit more of a wider scope where you communicate with other teams to make sure that you're working in tandem? Actually there is uh, uh, around 50 tech teams in Mano Mano. Mm-hmm. And these tech teams are spread into seven different value streams. And on each of the value streams, we have some dedicated agilists, either if they are scrum masters or a team of team facilitators. And um, what we do is to um, actually each scrum master work with a set of team, making them, helping them get as performing as they can but we also uh, as the uh, the agile team is around 25 people in Mano Mano and the idea is that we and we are also working on some um, wider transversal 
uh, actions that um, are supposed to be applied to the whole uh, company to make uh, this can to make it go into a consistent direc direction. And is that um, how how do you actually put those learnings together? Is it like a kind of top down approach, or is it do you take learnings? Uh, as the years go, or is it like because um, it, it sounds very wide to me? Like, if you've got seven different paths, it's like, how do you actually get a synergy across all of them? That must be quite tricky. Hmm. Uh, well, actually, it's I don't know if I if we could go into deep into this because I think it would be quite complex. <laughs> well, give it a try. Uh, if Dan and I, if Dan and I just uh, not you know fall over then you know that we've, we've you've lost us <laughs> okay so how would i say um actually the um, the um agile team is organized is following a, a whole hey, you've, you've lost me i'm lost well, agile team i've no idea <laughs> <laughs> no carry on all right Okay, so uh, no problem. <laughs> so the agile team is is um, following a holacracy. The main idea about holacracy is to decentralize the power of decision. To uh, and actually the the the, the mantra of uh, the agile team is to think collectively and act locally. Okay, yeah, I like that. Nice. So in the end, it would be like holistic. That's the English version, I guess. No, holistic's more like all-encompassing. So like you can have one software that does everything. It's a holistic approach. I don't know if, if this is more the decentralization of decision-making. I don't think the root word is holistic. But if you're thinking think as a community... A, and then... I think that holacracy is a real is a real thing in, in English. But oh, Yeah, yeah, it's a management process. I mean, it was very distracting for Dan and I because holacracy reminds me a lot of the Jedi holocron. Which is obviously <laughs> store information in the in the Jedi Library, but that's a different topic for another time. Um, okay, yeah, cool. It's democracy versus hierarchy, so it's like the the it's the you know the juxtaposition of the just okay. the hierarchy. So it's like a, to a total flat, like flat structured uh, circular, analysis. not pyramid. Yeah, it's actually yeah, exactly. It's a it's a circular uh, way of decision making. Uh, well, actually, the relationship with the manager is just helping me uh, improve, and then uh, working on um, on um, how to say it, and uh, well, making some career development and stuff, and helping me with the impediments that I'm facing. But uh, when I work with my manager in a working group about one specific topic, we act exactly as if there was no hierarchy link. That's very, it sounds very healthy. It sounds like a very healthy way of doing things. It sounds like you're very empowered to make decisions and make things work, which is cool. No, it is actually. It's very empowering. So that's the first, uh, well, actually, so I don't know how we ended up talking about uh, that. We were talking about the seven different paths and how they, yes. how they okay. come together. Seven different fighting together. styles of the Jedi. So, well, actually, <laughs> we see the organization as a three-layer um, thing. Uh -huh. What we try to do is to have some consistent um, actions through the three um, levels. And in the Agile team, there are three roles, and each one of them acts on a different level. Mm -hmm. If I go back to what is a Scrum Master, a Scrum Master is uh, actually... Um, accountable for making um, a team be as performing as possible, 
given uh, a ways of working framework. At team level, we use uh, the Scrum framework. And at company level, we also use another framework, which is uh, about how to scale agility and how to think between different teams. So it's really focused on like maximizing efficiency through every level of the, of the company. Cool. I was going to say, do you work remote? Are you working? Are you in the office again now or are you guys remote? Um, I Well, we, uh, Mano Mano offers some jobs that are open to be full remote. And how is it managing a remote team nowadays? Because obviously you have a very hands-on role. You need to see what they're all doing all the time, or at least, you know, spying internally. So how is, <laughs> how is, how is doing all of that over, over a webcam, you know? Well, actually, it's pretty. It's not. It's not that that easy, actually, because I was used to um, spending the whole day with the teams I was working with, and uh, I, uh, when I uh, started being completely in remote, I first had the feeling that I had uh, lost one sense, as if mm. I was uh, turning blind because I had so many uh, blind spots about uh, what are the what the teams are doing. But actually, the main intention is to. Um, keep on well following how the team progresses, make them uh, very com- comfortable enough to uh, raise up the issues that they are facing and how I can be helpful with them and then have a close follow-up on um, uh, how their um, performance is set in, how they are, if they are reaching their objectives or not, what are the impediments and also dedicating some time to um, to continuous improvement. Um, and how much of that time, uh, or do you feel like communication is a big uh, um, is a big is a big point as well? Because the, the system that you just described, it's not um, it's probably very valuable, but it, maybe it's not that easy to follow day day to day. Do you find that um, because the team is remote, you have to spend more time communicating them the values and what you're actually kind of focusing on, or uh, does that come naturally? Well, actually, the number of meetings has been multiplied by yeah. you know, whatever factor <laughs> it is, <laughs> because each yeah. time we need to have a discussion, all that, that, that ends up being a, a meeting. Uh, but uh, actually, I don't know if you're familiar with the Scrum framework, but it has some um, 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 recurrent uh, meeting times where we could assess how we are advancing toward the goals, what goals we are setting, and how if we manage to to achieve them or not. Actually, mm-hmm. Is that like in daily stand-ups, or is it? Is it exactly? Well, yeah. actually, the idea is to be very focused during daily stand-ups to see how. Um, the team is uh, is working. Each team works in a two week situation. For each iteration, they uh, set um, a sprint goal mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the objectives that they want to set. At the end of each uh, of each sprint, we also do a retrospective where we have a look or stepping back from the sprint that we just had and uh, trying to identify what one well what we could improve and we also do some um, uh, sprint reviews to also share 
what the team has built has been building for the iteration with their stakeholders. Nice. So uh, these are some events that can make the team very focused on what she is doing and how, well, what, what, how, what they have been doing and how they focus on it. Yeah. I think all this is stuff maybe is, as a as a graduate from Ironhack, um, it might seem a little bit like you know uh, far away from what what you might be thinking about as you're getting your first role in tech and you're you graduated with these loose skills and you're thinking okay I want to become a web developer I want to become a UX designer, but actually like when it comes to down, when it comes down to interviewing and asking questions of your employer, I think that asking about these methodologies and like ensuring that these things are in place is such a big deal because if they can't really give you a straight answer of like, Oh, how do you manage a project or how do you manage your sprints? It's, it just turns into chaos so fast. Um, and I think hearing, hearing kind of like a really concise, um, clinical method of how these different paths work is so important. I would definitely, if I was looking to move job, that's one of the, that's one of the big kind of questions I'd have from an employer. I think, um, because it's just so important, isn't it? It's like so valuable and it makes yeah. you feel more valued as a, as a, as a worker as well, I think, because it means that your, you know, your time is being put best, your time is being put to best use. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And what we are trying to do also is to, um, also empower people to set their own roles, to have self-managed teams that are very empowered to set their objectives, either if it's, um, um, objectives for a small iteration of two weeks or for a bigger iteration of three months because we also think as a um, each value stream thinks uh, every seven months to and we organize some company uh, wide events to plan for each quarter okay yeah so you kind of like empower individual team members by giving them their own goals to set and then sort of validating them afterwards that's a really nice structure to keep you kind of moving and like always feels like you're achieving something in retrospect or talking to you about it it's like sounds like a no-brainer it's like well we're gonna we're gonna double the size of the team and now we're a thousand people like and we're obviously gonna put all this stuff in place but was it like a kind of like oh my god these are so many people we have to put all these these new um, structures in place or was it kind of like a you know, did it come before the before the uh, initial recruitment process? Because it sounds very well organised to me, <laughs> and I know that some <laughs> companies that you know they when they when they when this hyper growth phase that the organisation sometimes comes as an afterthought. Well, actually, I think that your question, uh, uh, well, how to say it? I think that uh, your question is uh, more directed to uh, you, that you can ask actually this question to the people that have been in Mano Mano before I joined because actually okay. I joined after the outburst of people but that was answered very democratically though if it was messed <laughs> up it wasn't your fault <laughs> yeah. sorry I'm losing uh, how to say it but actually I think that uh, when go going through um, uh, that big of a dynamic of a growth dynamic organization is key yeah. Yep. And um, finding the best way to um, to uh, maintain this uh, pace of growing without slowing the teams was actually the main uh, the main uh, stake that uh, my uh, team is working on. Growing without slowing—that's a great name for a exactly. LinkedIn headline. That's the, name, that's the name of the episode right there. 
growing without slowing. Is it before you go, is there anything that you want to, um, any projects you're working on or any shout outs you want to give, anything you want to, you want to plug to students or any initiatives, anything like that? Well, actually we are hiring, we are hiring many people. Oh, you are? Okay. So listen up, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen out there. Manu Manu is hiring. hiring. Exactly. Manu Manu is hiring and Manu Manu is hiring uh, uh, everywhere in France and in Spain, mostly. Okay. They are remote jobs though, or is it only available for people living in? They are, uh, well, actually we hire, uh, the jobs are open to be full remote, but the condition is to live either in France or in Spain. Okay. Spain is the biggest uh, iron hack market in Europe, so. Manu Manu Madrid. Well, you're very welcome to uh, to apply if there is any position that uh, talks to you. There you go, you heard it here first. Yeah, that was very good. Very dense, uh, information-dense episode. Mm. A lot of information uh, about the way she structures her teams, or Manu Manu is structured anyway. Yeah, I think that's crazy that you can you can change you can hire you can double the team size and, and keep the same mm. cadence. That's that's impressive. Yeah, there must have been a lot of um a lot of pre thought and organization in handling that transition. Mm. Also nice Manu Manu must be massive. So what she said a thousand people? Yeah. Well that's yep. the end of another week. Yep, another week. Uh who's who's up next week? Who have we got? Oh don't ask me. Good. Just one of them, <laughs> one of them cliffhangers. Just you yeah. wait and see. You have to tune in, otherwise, what's the point? If you haven't tuned in previously, you can subscribe now, so you'll you'll get a notification for whatever that next episode is. And as always, you can reach out to us directly somewhere if you really need to speak to us on LinkedIn. Dan Parry, Timothy Stevens. Give out a phone number. Uh, no, have Give a good phone number. I won't do that. Right. Uh, but do have a good day, evening, afternoon, good morning, wherever you are, and see you next week. Cheers. Cheers a lot. I know. Podcast.